by 2026, our state could be at like 97% internet with high-speed internet. And to veto that, to me, was just, uh, to, was asinine, to be honest with you. It, it made no sense. Uh, when you talk about want to work bipartisan, that would be a good, it, it would have been a good win for him. It would have been a good win for us. And yet he vetoed it. I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. And this is another episode of Fact Check. I feel like the big time, Bill. We have guest after guest after, we've made it. We have arrived. <laughs> we, we have a fantastic lineup of state representatives and other people who are running for state level offices. Join our group on Facebook. It's Fact Check WIZM and you can ask your questions there and we'll ask those questions for you when we have our guests on. It's a collaborative process and we are very excited for our guest today. He's a real American hero, farmer, army veteran, and leader dedicated to the people of West Central Wisconsin. Welcome Tony Kurtz. He is the representative for the 50th Assembly. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. And you were very kind in those uh, remarks, Jen. I appreciate that. Well, it's the truth. And thank you truly for your service, most importantly, as an Army veteran. Well, thank you. I I appreciate that. I I got just as much out of the Army as the the Army got out of me. So I I loved it. And uh, I would do it again in a heartbeat. So So Tony, tell us, you you were in the Army for 20 years, right? active duty for 20 years. I flew attack helicopters. I was very fortunate. I actually went in right out of high school and uh, right into flight school. And that was during the 80s when when a wonderful president by the name of President Ronald Reagan was building our military back to its, its gander. And, um, and fortunately, I, I have joined one of the reasons I joined was because of Ronald Reagan. He made he made us proud to be Americans again. Well, I can sure relate to that because, as I've often said, uh, I was always conservative in my thinking, but Ronald Reagan made me a Republican. Yep, absolutely. He made a, made a lot of people Republican. I'll just tell you that right now. Right, right. Boy, we could sure use another Ronald Reagan today. So one of the challenges you face is the governor has $3.2 billion, which he received from the federal government, through the CARES Act, and Democrats in Washington, D.C., earmark that money. That's 100% at the discretion of the governor. The state legislature really doesn't have anything to say about that. What are some of the challenges in setting a state budget when you don't know how the governor's going to spend that huge amount of money, $3.2 billion. Well, go back a little bit in time. So uh, these funds, it's called the, it was the one that was passed, obviously, just recently and signed into law by President Biden. And every state is different. So some states, um, their state legislature, along, along, along with the governor, will have a say. For some reason, years ago in our state statute, any federal funds of the of these type uh is at the sole discretion of the governor so this happened before in 2009 when obviously you know we were going through the horrible you know the downturn and there was a, a you know a, an infrastructure package in 2009 under governor doyle and a, and a democrat controlled assembly and senate they actually voted and the governor signed it to allow the legislature to have oversight of these funds to have a say in where it went so now you know fast forward to 2021 we have another huge sum of money under the american recovery plan the governor is going to have like you mentioned 3.2 billion dollars at sole discretion so as the state legislature you know we are 
you know, we're the purse strings. We're the ones that's supposed to, you know, balance the budget and make sure, you know, appropriate the money. Uh, we passed a bill in the assembly in the Senate and sent that to the governor so we could have oversight of the money. And of course he vetoed that. Um, but to your point, it is a challenge because as a prudent legislature, legislator, we, we want to find out where this money is going to go. And, and one thing I want to stress to you and your listeners, what you're not going to hear in any other media source, we have a, lar- a, a rather large time frame for this money. In other words, this money, it's allocated, it's going to be spent, but we have until December 31st of 2024 to spend this money. So let me let me for your listeners put this in perspective. We have a two-year budget cycle in the state. Our next budget cycle is going to begin on one July, and then it's going to end, you know, 30 June of 2023. So this money is available for this budget cycle, but also 18 months into the next budget cycle. And what's important about that is, come 20 November of 2022, we have another election coming up. And it is very possible we may have a different governor in November of 2022. And so, you know, as a, as a state legislature, it is important to know where this money is going to go. So one of the things that the legislature recently did was they passed a bill. You wanted to spend $500 million to expand broadband in Wisconsin. And Governor Evers vetoed that bill. Is that because people in outstate Wisconsin, rural Wisconsin, didn't vote for him? There's some truth to that. I mean, obviously, if you look at a map, uh, the vast majority of uh, the rural areas of all of Wisconsin is red. And you have, obviously, the dark, bright blue areas in Madison, Milwaukee, and, and other cities. But, but, but let's step back for a second. The governor in early 2021, in his state of the state, basically, he wanted to make 2021 the year of broadband access and i think all your listeners can agree especially in western wisconsin we suffer from poor broadband and so several years ago we started a broadband grant program it's a very successful program it's a it's a matching program so a company like links or you know laval telephone or utility they can apply for a grant and it's matching so basically they put up 50 percent and then the state will put up 50%. And we're supposed to go into unserved areas. And so right now they're doing a lot down in the Richland County area, things like that. That program, last budget cycle, we put $48 million in that program. So when you leverage that with private, it's about $100 million. It's a very successful program. Companies like it, municipalities like it, even the own Public Service Commission said that this is a very popular program. So what we did is the state legislature and the Senate, part of these American Rescue Plan funds, you know, there's certain strings attached, but one thing is sure that you can do with these funds is you can do water, sewer, and broadband infrastructure. And so the bill that we did was we asked the governor, the bill directed that the governor would put in total $500 million over the course of these funds, and it was going to be $125 million each year. And it was a, a very well-crafted bill. Senator Howard Markline, or Representative Rob Summerfield, up in the northern part of the state, crafted this bill. They, it was well thought out. It, it basically taken that money, put it right into the existing broadband grant program, and we'd be done. We, we, we would be done for the next four years of helping. And there's a lot of studies that think with that investment and also some more investments the federal government's doing by um, – 
by 2026, our state could be at like 97% internet with high-speed internet. And to veto that, to me, was just uh, to, was asinine, to be honest with you. It, it made no sense. Uh, when you talk about want to want to work bipartisan, that would be a good it, it would have been a good win for him. It would have been a good win for us. And yet he vetoed it. Why? Well, because he's he wants to go it alone with these federal funds. And, and to answer your question, Jen, because very I'm being very politically correct here. He controls that three point two billion dollars, him and him alone. And he and that's why he did that, in my humble opinion. Doesn't that leave you in kind of a tough spot? How do you craft a budget uh, into the future when you don't know how $3.2 billion is going to be spent? How much, just to inform people, how much of this year's budget in terms of state money does $3.2 billion represent? It, it, it covers a lot of programs. I'll just put it that way. I mean, it, it's like, for instance, the governor wanted to put in two, and this is the other thing, back to the broadband point. He, his suggestion was over this budget cycle was to put $200 million. So you know, to put that in contents, $500 million, once again, over this budget cycle and really the next budget cycle, uh, you know, that still leaves a, a tremendous amount of money, $2.7 billion at his discretion. So, so a budget is roughly around $91 billion you know, over the two-year period. That's rough numbers. So when you add in the 3.2, that is a tremendous amount of money for other programs that we could fund. And so we're going to do a budget. We will be starting from base, to tell you the truth. And then we're going to fund those things that we, we need to fund. And then we'll see, hopefully the governor will give us some indication where he's going to be spending money at. So recently we did a show uh, on uh, the expansion of Medicaid and Medicare and uh, those costs to our state. You know, why is it that Republicans in the state legislature don't want to accept the Medicaid expansion? What's the reason for that? Now, the governor's budget, like I mentioned, is over 1,800 pages long. It is a wish list. Um, it, it, he knew and insiders knew that this budget was dead on arrival. And so that's why we will we will start from scratch. We'll start with the base budget. And, and as far as the Medicaid expansion, this is my concern. In the end, years from now, in my humble opinion, there is a goal on the far left for Medicaid for all. I, I truly think they do want to go to a one-payer system. And I want your listeners to understand about a one-payer system. About four or five years ago, we remember the horrible circumstances that the VA was under. Now, as a veteran, I I have firsthand knowledge of the VA. Once you get into the VA, the VA healthcare is excellent. It's not a matter of quality healthcare, it's a matter of accessing that healthcare. And that's why people heard people were waiting for months and, and, and sometimes years on end. The only reason why that VA system got corrected was veterans were allowed to use veterans choice. In other words, if they were going to wait more than 30 days or if they were more than 50 miles away for, from, a, from a, 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 a VA facility, they were allowed to go to a civilian hospital or a civilian option. That is the only reason why the VA cleared that backlog up. And once again, nothing wrong with the VA healthcare system. It, it's accessing that healthcare. And if we ever go to a one-payer system, we're going to have the same type of issue that we had with the VA several years ago. Long waits for care is what you're saying. Absolutely. And I, I want people to think for a moment. Okay, 
vaccine, if you're pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, that's not the discussion. Canada has a one-payer system. Canada is way behind us on vaccines, way behind us. You know, right now we have a surplus of vaccines. If you want one, you can get one. Any group, any time, you can get one. Canada is not that way right now. And I, I personally suspect it's because of their healthcare model. We, we have a wonderful healthcare in our country. Now, is there things we need to do to improve it? Yeah, we do have to get people, um, especially and unfortunately, in, in in poverty areas. And I, I have one of those. It doesn't matter if it's a rural area or any inner city Milwaukee. People tend to go, they go to the emergency room. And they don't get preventive care, and so those are things that we can we can we can fix. But expanding Medicaid is not necessarily the answer. It, it, you know, right now there's they say there's about ninety two thousand people that are not covered, and if we did the Medicaid expansion, we would cover those people. Well, those people right now, half of them do have health insurance, Obamacare. They have coverage, and that's heavily subsidized. And there's no reason why we can't do that with the other 42,000. So 42,000 people in a state of 5.8 million, right? Correct. I mean, when you look at health, and first of all, Wisconsin is one of the top states in the in the country for health care quality, and and the number of people we have coverage too. I mean, it's when you talk to other states and, and you're saying, well, really only 42,000 people aren't covered, they're astonished. It, it really is, and unfortunately, that's not getting talked about in the media uh, these people can get health insurance it, it's it's I, I did a thing a couple of years ago for my area you know a, a young man like, like the age of 25 he would pay a $25 premium the other you know it was like a $600 premium altogether but the rest was being picked up by you know with with the subsidies so it's out there it can be accessible um, people can get their preventive care which is to me so important um, it's just it, it, it's not being done, and and their their fallback is well Medicaid you know Medicaid for all, and that's not that's not gonna it's not gonna fix anything. It's, it's going to hurt our healthcare system in the long run. So you're on the Joint Finance Committee. You're in a powerful position to affect what becomes part of this budget. Is, is there an item in particular that you're passionate about? Something you'd like to see happen in this budget? Well, one thing we've heard, um, obviously, road funding. We've heard that through everywhere. Uh, you know, that's obviously something I'm going to be front and center. Broadband expansion, once again, you know, the governor punted on that, vetoed it. You know, that's something we have to ensure. And also just ensuring that our health care system is top notch. I mean, they've, they've, they took this on the chin. There's no doubt about it. And they stepped up to the plate, but we got to make sure they're shored up. When you're looking at uh, mental health, that's something we've heard in all the the, uh, the listening sessions, just the, the, the critical shortage of one, mental health providers, and really people's mental health through this whole pandemic. I mean, it has suffered not being around people, not talking people, um, and then nursing homes. We have to make sure our nursing homes are, are um take care of them as well. When people say that you're not working hard, you're working extraordinarily hard for the people of Wisconsin, and, and Bill and I both appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you, and I just want i want your listeners to know that I begged, and I begged Bill to be on the podcast, because I know how, <laughs> I know how successful it is. I know how, and the other thing, not just successful, but the importance of it, that you're getting a conservative message out 
when others just are not doing their job and they're not reporting the facts. So I appreciate both of you for what you're doing and, and getting the facts out there. I, I truly appreciate that. Representative Tony Kurtz, you're a genuine American hero. Yes. You're a good guy. Uh, will you come on and see us again sometime in the future? Let us know how this budget turns out. I'd love to. Now, hopefully you're, hopefully you're, uh, you'll get some good reviews. Otherwise, you may not want to have me back on. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Fact Check is your only dependable source of conservative news. We see that two Fact Check guests, Julian Bradley and Tony Kurtz, have been announced as the 2021 GoPack representatives from Wisconsin. That's two Fact Check guests who've been recognized as the top 24 up-and-coming Republicans in the United States. I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. And this was another episode of Fact Check. Remember that you can listen and subscribe to Fact Check wherever you listen to podcasts. All of the episodes at WICMnews.com.